Hello, this is Lafayette Faust, creator of the Nevermore Hollows podcast. Thank you for making the show a success. Please take a moment to subscribe, give five stars, comment, and share the show with your friends. It's the best way to help us grow and to be able to continue to provide quality horror content. Also, please support our new art director, Chris Madman Goins, at Black Sheep Studios TN on Instagram. He has some amazing Nevermore Hollows art for sale, signed by the both of us, as well as many other original pieces I think you're going to love. Now, for you horror hounds who like to have a good laugh, I invite you to check out my other podcast. It's called The Three Uncool Cats. In it, my two friends and I sit in a basement and discuss music, movies, and whatever else comes into our warped minds. I would really appreciate it if you would give it a listen. Now, with that out of the way, I invite you to sit back, turn on a light, and prepare yourself. Hello, I am Lafayette Faust, the creator of this strange little podcast. I'm very grateful for all of you who have become constant listeners. You've given me a platform to pursue my passion, which is writing stories that hopefully entertain and engage, and if I'm doing it right, give you the occasional shiver. This podcast is free, but it isn't free to produce. If you are a fan of the show, I invite you to go by the store and buy a t-shirt or a mug. The link is in the show notes. But, of course, the most important thing you can do is subscribe to us on your favorite platform. Then, please like, share, and rate the show. Any support will be immensely appreciated. The storm rolled in from the dark sea just after 10 p.m. and made its assault on the small town of Nevermore Hollows. Rain fell in thick torrents. Black waves rolled in from the Atlantic and into the bay on which the town sat and crashed against the shoreline. The storm clouds matched the sea in its tumultuous roiling, and bolts of lightning crackled down as if they were the fingers of an angry god bent on death and destruction. One of these bolts struck the power station, and the electricity to the town blinked off. The townsfolk had seen their share of storms, many of them dangerous, but this one seemed so full of fury it was as if judgment was being handed down by the Most High. The town lay in darkness, and the townsfolk lit candles to push back the shadows. Main Street ran east to west through the middle of town and terminated on the shoreline at the centermost point of the bay. On the shallow beach just beyond a small parking lot located there, thirteen pigs washed upon the dark sand as if vomited up by the raging sea. These pigs were not cute and pink with squiggly tails. Instead, they looked more like wild boars. They were massive, each pig being six feet long and weighing 700 pounds. They lay on the shore as if dead. Then, 13 bolts of electric blue lightning crackled out of the sky and struck the pigs followed by a massive peal of thunder that shook the walls of the homes and cracked dozens of windows. Car alarms were triggered, creating a discordant symphony of horns. The pigs twitched and grunted and began to stir about, 
As the pigs pushed themselves up, the storm abated. The rain slowed, the thunder boomed with less ferocity, and the lightning no longer struck the ground but stayed within the confines of the churning storm clouds. The wind began to only sway trees and not to bend them to the point of breaking. Three of the massive pigs were more distinct than the rest. One had a crest of spiky hair that ran the length of its back that resembled a wild mohawk. The other resembled a warthog with large, sharp tusks protruding from its snout. The biggest of the beasts had two smaller tusks that jutted out from its lower jaw, and a curious symbol seared between its eyes. This one looked over its shoulder, as if sizing up the other twelve. Then it turned and began marching across the beach toward a row of beachfront houses a quarter mile away, toward the southern tip of the bay. The other pigs formed two rows of six each and followed, their eyes shining with a hellish glow. Levita Rose sat in her favorite chair, book in hand, and lighted candles spread about the room. The flickering flames caused shadows to flit and flitter in a playful dance. She was a voracious reader and spent many of her nights cuddled with a book. Being a lover of ghost stories, her absolute favorite times to read were on stormy nights. Levita was a 28-year-old black woman who had become a Nevermore Hollows deputy a little over a year ago. She loved her job, especially since she had discovered that the town was a nexus for paranormal activity. Her first encounter with the paranormal was at her side gig as an armed security guard at Morningstar Sanitarium. One night, a few months back, she had helped the live-in janitor, an old hippie named Clyde, kill a pack of nasty little creatures he called gnomes. They sure as hell didn't look like the storybook gnomes with long beards and pointy hats. These nasty little buggers had needle-sharp teeth and literally chewed through a person's skull to get to their brains. After defeating these little beasts, she got to know Clyde a lot better. He described himself as a slayer of gnomes, claiming he'd been at it since the 1970s. That was the same night that Sheriff Mosley explained to her, in detail, the dark truth of the town. He then introduced her to a small group of people who were also in the know. Together, they worked in secret to protect the townsfolk. Since then, she'd been witness to many terrible and strange occurrences, many of them resulting in the gruesome deaths of unsuspecting people. But it was Friday night, her first night off in weeks, and she was not going to let the storm or the lack of electricity stop her from relaxing with her book. It was the most recent Larry Correa novel about his group of monster hunters based in Alabama. After the power had gone off, she lit the candles, opened a beer, and dove into the story. The rain skittered against the roof and tapped against the window. The wind moaned through the eaves. The candlelight flickered, the shadows danced, all adding to the spook factor that Levita found absolutely delightful. She was three chapters in when she was startled by a frantic knock at her door. Only fools, evil entities, or those in desperation would be out in such a terrible storm. In either of those cases, it was wise to proceed with caution. So she snatched her SIG-40 caliber from the side table and stepped over to the door. She glanced out the side light window. Her porch was dark, and she could only make out a darker shape of someone wearing a black raincoat with the hood pulled up. "'Who is it?' she said, raising her voice to be heard over the pattering rain. "'It's Tolly,' the person on the porch said, 
Tolly Haddad was one of her neighbors. She taught natural science at Hitchcock High. Please, open up. Something's chasing me. Levita was a woman of action. She would help Tolly if that was really her on the porch. But she had learned that there were some spirits and monsters that could make themselves look human in their attempt to deceive unsuspecting victims. So, she hesitated, needing to make sure it was Tolly. Please, Tolly begged, open the door. Levita felt that the fear she heard in Tolly's voice was genuine. She opened the door, taking in as much detail as possible, trying to ensure that Tolly was human, though it was hard to tell with the raincoat. Tolly pushed past Levita into the foyer, dripping water onto the oak floor. Levita shut the door and engaged a deadbolt. She turned to Tolly, who stood shivering not only from being cold and wet, but from wide-eyed fear. She pushed back her hood. Her shoulder-length hair was wet. Levita needed to get as much information as possible to assess the situation so that she could act appropriately. She helped Tolly get out of her dripping raincoat. Are you hurt? Tolly shook her head. No, I'm not, but I think Philip is dead. Philip was the girl's basketball coach. He and Tolly had been seeing each other for the past few months. Levita saw the pain in her eyes when she said those words. Tell me what happened, Levita said. She hung the coat on a rack and led Tolly to the couch. As she did, she checked Tolly for bruises, blood, or scratches. There were none. Tolly sat on the edge of the couch, clearly in distress, hugging herself, rocking herself back and forth. We were... We were eating pizza and watching a movie when the power went out. I lit some candles and we were sitting and talking and listening to the storm when we heard something. It came from behind my house. It was hard to tell because of the storm, but it sounded like a scream. So we jumped up, grabbed some flashlights, and stepped out onto the patio and... Oh, my... She trailed off, unable to put to words what she had seen. Levita needed more information. Come on, honey, tell me, what did you see? Tolly wiped tears from her eyes. You won't believe me. You will be surprised at what I can believe, Tolly. Trust me, and just tell me what you saw. Tolly cleared her throat. There were pigs in the yard, at least a dozen or so. They were massive. They all looked like wild boars, but some of them looked mutated, like they belonged in a carnival freak show. Mutated in what ways? Levita asked. That alone was enough to convince her that these pigs were paranormal in nature. Tolly shivered as she recalled what she had seen. At least four of them had two faces, like it was some freakish birth defect. Then there was one that was bigger than the others. It had these long, sharp tusks, and the others seemed to be following it. And their eyes glowed deep orange. But... Tolly paused and looked away, biting her lip. Levita sensed she was holding something back. Come on, baby, just say it. Tolly sighed. I sound like a religious nut. No, you won't. I have an open mind. Okay, Tolly said. The biggest one... The leader, it had this mark on its forehead. It was a word written in Hebrew. Levita put a comforting hand on Tolly's shoulder. I believe you, honey. I do. I believe in the spirit realm. So if you say there's a Hebrew word written on a boar's forehead, then it's the truth. You aren't crazy. 
and you aren't a religious nut. But tell me, what is the word? Tolly closed her eyes, took a steadying breath, then said, Legion. This word instantly sent Levita's mind to a story she knew well, considering she grew up in a Baptist church. It was a story that caused her shivers as a little girl, and it made sense that Tolly, being Jewish, would also be aware of the story. I understand, she said. You think these are some of the pigs from the story of the demon-possessed man in the Bible? Tolly shook her head. She seemed less agitated now that this idea was out in the open. But how can that be? Levita considered the story. Jesus and his disciples had come upon a man who was demon-possessed. The man was naked and violent and lived in the tombs. Jesus confronted the man and asked the demon its name. The demon had replied, Legion. Jesus understood this to mean that the poor man was possessed by many demons. Jesus then healed the man by casting the demons into a herd of pigs, who then immediately ran into the sea and died. I agree with you, Tolly. I think these are the same pigs from that story. Tolly shook her head. But how? Those pigs died. And that was 2,000 years ago. I can't give a definite answer to that, Levita said. But if we're both spiritual women who believe the story, is it really that much of a stretch to believe that those pigs could somehow still be alive? Tolly shrugged. I guess I have to. I mean, it seems to be the only explanation. Especially when I tell you what happened next. With that, Tolly began crying again, shaking. Levita knew that what was coming next would be what had happened to Philip. I need to know how they did it, Levita said. It will help me understand what we're up against. The pig with the rotting on its forehead. Legion. It began speaking, Tolly said. It it was difficult to hear because of the rain, but there's no doubt it was speaking. It, it sounded like it had many voices. Some were speaking different languages. I heard snippets of Hebrew, English, and then another language that was guttural and definitely not human. But it was chanting the same thing over and over. What was it saying, Levita said. Tolly wiped her eyes. It said, taint the soul, take the body. Levita's skin prickled with icy goosebumps. Well, at least we know what their purpose is. But what makes you think that Philip is dead? They attacked, Tolly said. They were so huge, but they moved so fast. Philip pushed me back into the house and tried to follow me, but the leader, Legion, bit him on his leg and pulled him down. It dragged him off the porch and the pigs ran at him. It was terrible. Philip was screaming and I ran here hoping you could help because I know you're kind of a badass. Levita winced at that last statement. She loved her job, was good at it, had more than once taken down some big scary dudes without backup. Because of this, the other deputies on the force had started calling her Foxy, partly because she liked to dress with a nod to the 1970s, and partly as a reference to the movie Foxy Brown, where the character was in fact a stone-cold badass. She liked that she was respected by her peers and neighbors, but hearing things like that said aloud always made her a bit self-conscious. I'm sorry for what you've gone through, honey, Levita said. 
It's terrible. But other than the pig speaking human languages, did you notice anything else supernatural about them? No, Tolly said. She snatched a tissue from a box sitting on the coffee table and blew her nose. But, I mean, who knows, right? I mean, if they can speak, they can do other things. Probably, Levita said. Time to call for backup. She snatched her phone with the intent to call Sheriff Mosley, but she saw that she had no service. Crap. Not what I'd hoped. We can use my service radio, but it's in my cruiser out in the driveway. I don't want to go back out there, Tolly said. But we do need help, and we need to see if Philip is somehow alive. Levita doubted he was, and she knew the best thing to do was stay put, but she was a deputy with a strong sense of responsibility. She had to make sure those demon-possessed pigs didn't kill anyone else. Are you comfortable with guns? Tolly nodded. Yes, I'm better with a rifle than a handgun, though. Levita stepped into a spare bedroom she used to store her personal gun collection. She grabbed two 12-gauge Remington shotguns and a box of shells. She came back into the living room and handed one to Tolly. This will be better than a rifle in this situation. It's more of an aim-in-the-general-direction-and-fire kind of weapon. Tolly seemed emboldened and somewhat calmed at having a way to defend herself. She stood and quickly loaded the weapon. Then she turned to Levita. I'm ready. You, you can count on me. What's the plan? Levita put on a raincoat and slid her sig into the pocket. She loaded her shotgun and headed for the door. First, we get my radio and call for backup. Then we try to get an idea of where the pigs are. Hopefully they're still at your place and haven't attacked any other homes. But what are we supposed to do until backup arrives? Tolly asked. Levita racked a shell into the chamber. Survive and save as many as possible. She opened the door and stepped out onto the front porch. She glanced right and left and crept to the steps leading down to the yard. Tolly stepped out behind her and closed the door. Levita's cruiser sat just to their left in the driveway behind her 1980 Jeep CJ5. Lightning lit up the sky, temporarily casting the neighborhood in an electric blue flash. The rain was no longer beating down, but was a steady downpour. Levita turned on the flashlight attached to her shotgun and slowly made her way down the steps and onto the stone walkway that led to the driveway. She was in full-on situational awareness mode, though the rain made it both more difficult to see and hear as clearly as she would have liked. Tolly followed behind, intuitively keeping an eye out for anything that may try to sneak up on them. They made it to Levita's cruiser. She opened the door, leaned in, and snatched her radio. She keyed the mic and said, Dispatch, this is Deputy Rose. Cheyenne Whitfield was the dispatcher on duty. She was one of the two dispatchers who worked the night shift because they knew the truth of the town and could help keep things quiet. Go ahead, Deputy. I need you to contact the sheriff and tell him I have a code 612 at my home, Levita said. Sheriff Mosley had created the 612 code for his deputies to use in case of a paranormal event in progress. It was a direct reference to a quote from the Bible, Ephesians 6.12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness of this world. Will do, Cheyenne said. Then, as was protocol, she and Levita switched over to a secure channel that only the sheriff and his most trusted deputies used. What's going on, Levita? Are you okay? At the moment, Levita said, but I have Tali Haddad with me. We might have a casualty at her home. Tell Mosley to come directly to Tali's house. 
She and I are going there now to assess the situation. What is the situation? Cheyenne asked. Pigs, Levita said. I take it not your normal cute pink ones with squiggly tails? Nope, Levita said. Massive ones. Mutated and possibly demon-possessed. Cheyenne took this information in stride. In the five years of being the night shift dispatcher, this was by far not the strangest call she had gotten. Got it. Alerting Mosley now. Be safe. 10-4, Levita said. The rain suddenly slowed. It was now less a downpour and more a heavy drizzle. They heard voices coming from the street. Levita pointed the flashlight in that direction and saw the pigs. They were massive and fanned out behind the leader, the one that she was just going to refer to as Legion. They were making low, guttural pig noises mixed with what sounded to be dozens of other voices, all speaking in various languages. But the thing that chilled her the most and caused Tolly to cry out in horror was Philip. He was clearly dead. There were terrible bites all over his body. His clothes were torn, and big chunks of hair had been ripped from his scalp. But somehow, he walked haltingly before the pigs, as if he were a hellish marionette moved about by the hands of a psychotic puppeteer. Levita suspected that his body was being controlled by the demons. Philip's mouth hung open, the jaw stiffly moving like that of a ventriloquist's dummy, and the garbled voice of a demon slithered out. Take the soul, take the body. Like hell you will, Levita said. She was too far away for the shotgun to be effective. She slung it over her shoulder and snatched the sig from her pocket. She fired off three quick rounds, knowing it would likely be ineffective, yet needing to do something to hold them back. The shots hit Philip's chest in a tight grouping. He stumbled back, regained his balance, and continued forward in zombie-like fashion. Levita fired another shot at Legion. The bullet slammed into its massive chest. It didn't even make a grunt of pain. It kept walking toward them. The door to the house directly across the street opened up, and two men and a woman ran out into the yard. Levita knew them. The tall man, Alec, had just moved into the house barely a month ago with his wife, Annie. The other man's name was Jackson. He was stocky and powerfully built, and he was Alec's best friend. Alec and Jackson hustled to the sidewalk, which was only 15 yards from Philip and the pigs. The only weapons they had were a baseball bat and a golf club. Annie stayed in the yard, a worried look on her face. Stay back, Levita yelled. It's dangerous. Just then, three of the pigs broke from formation and shot toward the group. A pig with two faces chomped down with one deformed mouth on Alec's leg. Bones crunched. Alec screamed. Blood poured. The pig's second mouth opened. A fat, pink tongue began lapping at Alec's blood. Alec frantically whacked at the beast with his golf club. Another of the pigs, the one with a row of spiky hair down its back, slammed into Jackson, knocking him to the ground. He dropped the bat and threw his hands up in defense. The pig plunged its tusks into Jackson's stomach. Annie made the mistake of running toward the men, screaming at the pigs, thinking she could scare them off. The third pig had long, sharp tusks and eyes that seemed more human than swine. It shot toward Annie, barreled into her, breaking her spine. She dropped to the ground, helpless, 
and screamed as the pig trampled her to death. The other pigs continued directly toward Levita and Tali, Philip leading the way in his zombie-like shuffle. There was no way to help Alec or Annie or Jackson. They were already dead. And this threat was more than Levita had bargained for. She could only hope that the rest of the neighbors would stay inside their homes and not expose themselves to the danger. Levita considered her and Tolly's options at staying alive. They could run back to her house and try to stay holed up there until Mosley and the deputies arrived. Or they could get in the cruiser and drive down the street, staying ahead of Philip and the pigs. Both those were valid options, but before she could decide on the best course of action, more of her neighbors stepped out of their homes to see what the commotion was about. Some carried rifles or pistols. Others were naively empty-handed. Get back in your homes, Levita yelled. It's too dangerous. Bullets won't stop them. Two of the neighbors had high-powered flashlights. They shined them toward the commotion in the Alex yard. Everyone was able to see the carnage. Someone screamed. Others cursed aloud. All of them turned and ran back into their homes. Philip and Legion continued toward Levita and Tolly while the rest of the herd veered off toward the other homes. The pigs ran up onto the porches and began smashing their heads against the doors trying to get inside. Levita and Tolly ran to the cruiser parked in the driveway. Levita slid into the driver's seat, Tolly into the passenger seat. Levita keyed the ignition and threw the car in reverse. She backed out onto the street. Philip was now running in a stumbling ragdoll fashion. He made it to the cruiser and slammed against a passenger window. He glared at Tolly with dead eyes. His tongue lolled out of his mouth as he moved his jaw. The demon inside him said, You left him to die. Now we own him. Tolly's face was a mixture of grief and disgust. She said, Oh, Philip, I'm so sorry. Levita slammed the car into drive. It's not your fault, honey. Don't look at him. Before she could stomp down on the accelerator, Legion rammed into the front passenger side of the car. The quarter panel caved in. The headlights shattered. The car rocked side to side. The engine started making a terrible knocking sound. Legion backed away, preparing to ram the car again. Levita stomped on the accelerator, but the car only lurched forward and stalled. Philip clawed at the passenger side door handle. Legion rammed his massive head into the car again, this time with enough force to tip the car up onto two wheels. Crap, Levita said. Tolly screamed. The car slammed down. The front passenger tire exploded. Smoke started pouring out from under the hood. Levita turned the key. The engine rattled the life. She shifted into drive and hit the accelerator. The engine knocked and whined, but the car shuddered forward. Levita chanted, Come on, come on, come on. Tolly had fully come to terms with her new paranormal reality and that Philip was possessed by a demon. Guns won't work, she said. We can't fight a spiritual battle by non-spiritual means. The car continued to slowly lurch forward, the engine rattling, smoke billowing. I'm open for suggestions, Levita said. Legion roared. He backed up, preparing to ram them again. Philip lurched over and slammed his head against Tolly's window. It made a meaty smack, and he smeared a thick streak of blood across the window. The car stalled again. The engine died. I guess this is where we make our stand, Levita said. 
Legion hit the car harder than before. It rocked back and forth, throwing Tolly against Levita. Philip again slammed his head against Tolly's window. It shattered and sprayed tiny chunks of glass over the women. Shoot him, Levita said. Tolly raised her shotgun and fired. The roar of the gun was deafening inside the car. Philip took the blow directly to his chest, knocking him back, his left arm dangling. He fell to the ground, rolled, and pushed himself up with his right arm. Levita climbed out of the car, dragging Tolly over the center console. They at least had the car as a temporary barrier between them and Legion and Philip. Legion began making his way around the front of the car. Philip lurched around the back. Both women knew that they might be able to outrun Philip, but had seen how supernaturally fast the pigs were. There was no way they would outrun Legion for any length of time. He would catch them eventually. Tolly and Levita glanced around the dark neighborhood. The pigs who had attacked Alec and his family had spread out and were currently attempting to bash through the front doors of various homes. Alec and Annie and Jackson lay sprawled in gory heaps in the yard. Their bodies began to twitch back to life as the demons took possession of them. I have an idea, Levita said. I'd love to hear it, Tolly said. We're running out of time. It's time to take the battle to them. Levita said. Tully glanced at her. How? The Nevermore Mission, Levita replied. The Nevermore Mission was an old Spanish church built in 1794 when Spain temporarily controlled the area. It was Nevermore's oldest standing building and looked more like a tiny fort than a Catholic church. It sat a quarter mile down the street on a bluff that overlooked the bay. Tolly fired around from her shotgun into Philip's chest, knocking him down. Levita shot Legion in the face. The massive beast squealed and snorted and was temporarily blinded. Tolly and Levita turned and ran down the street toward the mission. Philip pushed himself up and lurched after them. Legion's ruined eyes were restored using demonic power. He roared and shot around the front of the cruiser and gave chase. Levita glanced over her shoulder to see Mosley's cruiser turn onto the street behind the horde. He was followed by two other cruisers. The other pigs stopped trying to bash through the doors and shot off toward them. Mosley began firing his pistol at the pigs while the two deputies fired shotguns. The pigs squealed in demonic rage but were unfazed. Mosley and the deputies jumped back into their cruisers, and the pigs began ramming into them. We're almost there, Tolly said when the church materialized before them. It was surrounded by a block wall. There were two gates, one at the entrance, the other at the rear. Both had arched wooden doors. The rear of the church looked out onto the bay with the front facing the street. Through the front, Levita said, praying the gate was unlocked. Tolly reached the door first and pushed through. Levita was right on her heels. She slammed the door behind her and threw the iron latch into place. She knew this would not hold against Legion, but hoped it would buy them enough time to get inside the church. She also wondered if Hollywood got it right about demons not being able to step foot on sacred ground. She and Tolly ran across the small yard and up the five steps that led to the front door of the church. Behind them, Legion smashed through the gate and stood at the entrance. Philip ran up behind him. Both were covered in ghastly gunshot wounds that were seeping dark blood. Lightning flashed through the dark sky, temporarily illuminating the scene. Tolly grabbed the door handle to the church and turned. It's locked. Step back, Levita said. She raised a shotgun and fired at the lock. The door swung open and she and Tolly stepped inside. The sanctuary was crypt black. They turned and looked back at Philip and Legion. 
Why are they not following? Tolly asked. Maybe they can't, Levita said. Legion put his snout to the ground and sniffed. He gave an evil grunt at what he smelled. He raised his head and sniffed the air. Then he stepped through the gate into the yard. Crap, Levita said. How is this taking the fight to them? Tolly asked. I was hoping this would be sacred ground and that if they stepped on it, they would die. Clearly not the case, Tolly said. Philip stepped through the gate and stood beside Legion. His ruined face was ghastly. He locked eyes with Tolly. He raised his hand and pointed at her. She understood this meant that he was coming for her. She shuddered. Legion roared and shot forward. Philip ran around the side of the church, headed to the back entrance to ensure that they could not leave that way. Levita slammed the door. It was made of heavy wooden boards with black iron bands as reinforcement. Even though she had shot out the lock, there was a thick wooden beam used as a security bar that she was able to slide into brackets attached to the wall on each side of the door. She knew this would only buy them seconds, maybe a minute at best. Legion smashed into the door, but it held. Suddenly, light bloomed behind them. They turned to see Father Diego Valiente step into the sanctuary carrying an antique oil lamp. He was an extremely fit man in his sixties with a shock of gray hair and a thick mustache that was curled at the ends. What on earth is going on? he said. What just smashed against that door? Levita shot him a glance. Demons, baby. Demons. Not again, he replied cryptically. Follow me. He turned and headed toward the altar. Levita and Tolly exchanged curious looks, then followed. Legion slammed against the door again. The crossbeam rattled, but held. Father Valiente reached the altar. He turned and faced down the aisle toward the door. When Levita and Tolly got to the altar, he motioned for them to stand on each side of him. Levita stood to his right, Tolly on his left. When it comes to demons, whatever you've read in books or seen in movies is wrong, he said. They could hear the muffled gunshots and demonic squeals from the battle that was waging down the street. I'm open for some education on the matter, Tolly said. Word, Levita said. We need to do something quick before anybody else dies. Father Valiente winced at that bit of information. Needless, he said. If more people only knew the power we have over these nasty things, there would be far fewer possessions and almost no deaths contributed to demons. All right. Levita said. You are way too chill about all this. Lay it on us. What's the secret? Father Valiente sighed. There is no secret. That's the secret. Legion rammed the door again, knocking a large hole in the center of it. His snout shot through and he sniffed and squealed. Then he backed up and rammed the door a final time, snapping the crossbeam. The door swung open. Another flash of lightning lit up the sky behind him, causing his shadow to flicker on the floor of the church. The shadow was not one of pig nor man. Instead, it was an inky pool that writhed as if it was made of hundreds of snakes. Alec and Annie and Jackson crept through the gate and walked across the yard. They stopped at the foot of the stairs. Levita shuddered at the sight. Tolly paled and her skin crawled. Only Father Valiente seemed unfazed. Legion stepped inside the church, his head lowered, his eyes glowing orange. He stood in the aisle between the pews. 
Alec and Annie and Jackson stayed outside, as if standing guard. They were washed in an alternating red and blue glow from the police car lights down the street. Legion grumbled, Taint the soul. We are here to conquer. Take the body. Father Valiente chuckled. A bold statement from an enemy that's already defeated. Legion snorted. We will see, old man. Levita and Tali glanced at each other, completely perplexed at the conversation between the old priest and the demon-possessed pig. The whole thing was so surreal that they struggled to accept that they weren't delusional. Father Valiente raised his right hand and casually flicked his wrist. Get out of the pig, he said. There was a brief moment where Legion seemed to distort, as if they were witnessing a sudden bad television reception. He seemed to be stretched at different points on his body. The right side of his massive head was suddenly larger than the left side. His left foreleg fattened as if filled with air. The whole back half of his body twisted as if his hips were pulled out of socket. Then, in the blink of an eye, he snapped back into shape. Legion gave a low, grumbling laugh. Not as easy as you thought. My turn. Before Legion could act on his threat, Valiente calmly but firmly said, Get out of the pig. Now. Legion raised his head and gave an angry, grunting squeal. His body distorted again. This time his flesh seemed to bloat, nearly doubling his size. Then, again, snapped back into shape. Levita and Tali gasped at what they now witnessed. The pig lay on the floor. Dead. But now... Standing beside him was a massive creature standing ten feet tall with massive arms and legs. The hands could have easily crushed bowling balls. It loosely resembled a man except that it was covered in tiny, black, glistening scales. Its feet reminded Levita of those of a velociraptor with thick, curved claws. Its hands were surprisingly human, but each had an extra finger. Its head was covered in thick black hair that hung down its back. Its mouth was filled with two rows of teeth. Outside, the demons possessing the bodies of Alec, Jackson, and Annie groaned as if in fear and misery. What just happened? Tolly asked. They need a host. Valiente said. Otherwise, they roam this realm in agony. They're afraid I will be able to cast them out just like I did Legion. Even though Legion's face was a, a creature none of them had ever seen before, they could still see that it seemed shocked that it had been cast out of the pig. You surprise me, priest, Legion said. But this just makes it easier for me to possess you. With an angry roar, Legion lurched forward, raising his fists. Levita and Tali instinctively stepped back, but not Father Valiente. He stood firm, raised his hands, and said, Stop! Legion froze. He strained as if against unseen chains, his face contorted with hellish rage. Valiente walked boldly down the aisle and stopped two feet away from the raging demon. He looked up into its angry, glowing eyes. You have no authority here. I banish you. Now go. Legion raised his head, preparing to scream in rage. But before he could utter a sound, he exploded in a black swirling cloud that momentarily enveloped Valiente. Levita and Tali stood transfixed on the scene before them. They tried to understand what had just happened, and they were afraid for Father Valiente.
Suddenly, the black smoke collapsed in on itself and popped out of existence, leaving Valiente standing alone in the aisle. The gunshots from down the street ceased. The bodies of Jackson, Annie, and Alec dropped to the ground. Valiente turned to face Levita and Tolly. He saw the confusion on their faces. Banishing Legion also banished the other demons under his authority. But where did they go? Tolly asked. Valiente gave her a look that suggested she should know the answer. I sent them to hell. Now, let's take care of the injured and the dead. Valiente turned and walked out of the church. Levita and Tolly followed. They stepped through the gate and into the street. Mosley and the deputies were standing at their cruisers, washed in the alternating red and blue glow. The pigs all lay dead in the street. When Tolly, Levita, and Valiente walked up, Mosley said, Whatever you did worked, and we got lucky. Other than Philip and the other three victims, no one else was hurt. Alyssa Hart, the county coroner, drove up in her white and powder blue 1966 VW bus. She got out and walked up to them. She and Mosley listened and took notes as Tolly, Levita, and Valiente told their story. So, these were demons, Alyssa asked. Yes, Valiente said. And you just casually cast them out of the pigs into hell? Alyssa replied. Valiente was cool, collected, as if this were a normal thing for him to do. Yes. Alyssa seemed skeptical, but hopeful. Just that easy. Valiente gave a small sigh. (sighs) Yes, just that easy. What you all seem to not be able to understand is that demons have no authority in this realm unless we give it to them, either through naivete, stupidity, or by using dark magic. Elissa and Mosley gave each other a glance. Then Mosley said, We've come across demons in the past. It wasn't this easy to deal with them. So you're saying, this is why? Valiente nodded. Exactly. Once demons are given authority, it's more difficult to wrest it from them. Explain tonight, Levita said. I know we didn't give them the green light to create all this chaos and death. Father Valiente reached up and twisted the corner of his mustache as he considered his response. Don't overthink it, young lady. Demons will show up and create chaos. It's what they do. They know that the vast majority of people no longer believe in the possibility of the supernatural, let alone the reality of demons. So they get away with creating a lot of chaos because of our collective willful ignorance. With that statement, Father Valiente turned and headed down the dark street back to his church. After a long moment, Levita said, You know... I think he just said the most profound thing I've ever heard.